Hi, I'm Pastor Guy Burke. We welcome you to this week's worship with First Baptist Church Indianola. We also invite you to find out more about us at our website, www.fbcindianola.com. And don't forget to like us on social media. Join us now as we study deep truths from God's holy word. He still hears us when we call his name. And that leads us to our big idea for this morning. So if you don't hear me say anything else today, hear me say our big idea. And our big idea is this. Faith in the, deli- in the deliverer never fails to deliver. Faith in the deliverer never fails to deliver. That's on the screen for you. Will you say that with me this morning? Faith in the deliverer never fails to deliver. And so we're going to look at our first passage here, the first segment of this chapter, Daniel chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. Now before we get there, I just want to set up the context for you. Our big three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they've been given responsibilities under the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar in this setting, okay? In this ancient world, this ancient setting. They've been, they've been given their responsibility to rule over provinces within the kingdom. So, the, you know, they're not the janitors, all right? They're not sweeping up after everybody leaves. Like, they have real responsibility. And they're all Jewish. They're all from the nation of Israel. They're all followers of the living God. So they've been given, at the end of chapter 2, you see that role has been given to them. Now we enter into chapter 3, and King Nebuchadnezzar builds this giant gold statue, okay? This giant gold statue. And the purpose of it is that that's going to be the God of the kingdom. And so when we come to verse, verses 4 through 7, we're going to see this proclamation that's given. So a proclamation is delivered. And that's the first principle today. The first component of this is that there is a delivered proclamation and within this proclamation that's given, we're going to see an ultimatum given. Have you ever been part of an ultimatum? You know what I'm talking about? At different points in our life, different seasons in our life, an ultimatum is given. And, and so it bas- the, the basic idea between, behind an ultimatum is, is this, that if this does not happen, then this will happen, right? If, if, if you don't make this decision, then we're going to make this decision with or without you. And so maybe that happens within family life sometimes, parents, teenagers, you know, if you don't get your work done, if you don't get your homework done or whatever, then you don't get the keys to the car or the truck this weekend, right? You know, or, or maybe within the, the, the life of a relationship, maybe you've been part of a relationship like that at a season in your life where if you don't commit to me as, you know, you're, you're one and only, if you don't commit to me as, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, whatever the scenario is, then I'm leaving. I'm out. Deuces. Too much stress, can't handle it anymore, right? So, so the ultimatum there is given. So in this proclamation, there is an ultimatum given, and we're, and we're going to see that right now. So let's read in verses 4 through 7. A herald loudly proclaims, people of every nation and language, you are commanded. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, You are to fall face down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Here's the ultimatum. But whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. So there is a delivered proclamation, and in that is that ultimatum. And so in verses 4 through 7, a herald for the king takes center stage. And he gives this proclamation that if you're not going to bow down to this golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has constructed, then the ultimatum is this, you will die. Pretty serious, right? 
You know, he's, he's, you're going to hear the guitar, you're going to hear the, the trumpet, you're going to hear the drums. It's kind of like when you're at Disney World and the music starts playing and then a parade comes through, you know. And so, like, when you hear all this music playing, it's time to bow down and worship this huge gold statue. So this huge gold statue is 90 feet high, 90 feet wide. So you can probably see it, right? Ten-story building, width of a basketball court. This is what King Nebuchadnezzar has constructed and the command from the king is that you will worship. You see, we don't, we don't understand, in the Western culture we live in, we don't necessarily understand the idea of living beneath a king. Like the power of the king was vast. And so the ultimatum is, when you hear the music, you either fall down and worship this gold statue, or you die. Go and carry on about your business. But there's three, our big three. Our protagonist in the narrative to have trouble with this. And here's why. Because those three know what happens when you bow down to gold statues. They understand what happens when you bow down to gold statues. Because the people of Israel have been dumb enough to do that before. And the first reason they were not going to bow down to a gold statue that's 90 foot high and 90 foot wide. It's because that would break the first two great commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, that's where we get the great commandments delivered by God to his people. And the first two of those is this. Do not have other gods before me. And then the second one is, do not make an idol for yourself. So these three Jewish men that have been given role and responsibility in the, in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, they have a heritage, they have a relationship with Yahweh, the living God, and they understand his commandments. And so the command of the earthly king cannot trump the command of the king of the universe. And they would know they would break the first two commandments. On top of that, if we had time to go back to Exodus 32, we would see that when Moses is up on the mountain meeting face to face with God, guess what happens? The people get antsy. They get impatient. Y'all know anybody like that? All right, you wives, don't be able and your husband, okay? So they get antsy and they get impatient. So they take all their gold jewelry and what do they do? They build a golden calf. They go to Aaron and they say, Aaron, we're going to build this golden calf. And they build it. Moses is still up on the mountain. And they start dancing in front of him. They start having a party in front of him. And then they even say this, that that is the God that brought them out of slavery in Egypt. They ascribe to the golden calf only what Yahweh God could do. And they're robbing the glory from God. But then Moses comes down off the mountain. And to just give you the cliff notes, it doesn't go so well. Because he has so much to say to them and so much for them to experience. One of those things being that they grinded down the golden calf, made it into powder, he put it in their water, and they had to drink it. So it was not a very good ending, right? So if you're our big three, if you're our protagonist, if you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you know these things, bowing down to a golden statue isn't on your list of what you're going to do, right? So there has been this proclamation delivered, but our big three, they're not about it. It's not happening. But everyone else was doing it. 
I, w- I want to draw your attention to something that happens in verse 7. Because here, here's, the, uh, here's really, when we, when we drill down and double-click on this, this is what it gets down to at, at its very core. You will either follow God or you will follow man. And that still applies to us today, right? In our life today, that still applies. That has not changed. You will come to a crossroads. You will either follow God or you will follow man. Now, the crowd was following the king, Nebuchadnezzar. And I want to drill down on this in verse 7 to show you that in the original language of the, first, of, of the Old Testament, we see that it, that it literally says in verse 7, this is what it says, as soon as they were hearing, they were falling down. So outside of our big three, everyone that's hearing this, as soon as it's computed, as they hear what's going on, they're falling down and they're going along with it because that's what the king said to do. It's an immediate response. And the crowd is following the earthly king on what his command is, the proclamation that's been delivered. Now, here's a key application for you and I on that. The key application I want to share with you about that is often an immediate response is a sinful response. And often an immediate response is a sinful response. They were hearing it, and as they were hearing it, they were falling down. And they were sinning against the God of the universe because they were worshiping a gold statue. You see, that brings us to the real issue here. The real issue is not only do we have to decide if we're going to follow God and follow man, but really at the core issue of all this, it's not so much that there is an evil earthly king that's doing this. The real issue here is that God is being robbed of his glory. Because if you go back to the first two commandments, that's what that's all about. There is no other God before me. Do not create an idol for yourself. Why is that so important for your life and my life? Because when you do that, you rob God of his glory. If there is an idol in your life today, it is robbing God of his glory in your life, and you are created to glorify him. You are not living out your created purpose if you have an idol in your life that is robbing God of his glory because he is the one only worthy of glory. And so the king or whoever can deliver a proclamation, but for the people of God, it's like, hold up, time out, can't do that, bro. Because there is only one God that I serve. And that still applies to us today. Because it is so easy to drift with the crowd. It is so easy to become numb to what God calls sin that we would just fall down and follow along with the crowd when God is calling for people to take a stand and stand up and glorify and worship him alone instead of idols created here by man. Because God alone is worthy of glory, honor, and praise. And that's the prime issue here. And so there's been a proclamation delivered, but our big three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not following. They're not following. They're not following, and they're going to be called out for it, but our big three are going to deliver a promise. And that's where we're going to get to. So let's get to the next segment, verses 16 through 18, the delivered promise. And in between that, There's this group called the Chaldeans, and they notice that our big three, they're not following along. So it's kind of like that reality show 
where that group gets together to get somebody off the island or whatever, right? They're going to come together and they're going to they're play the game and maneuver it around so that person gets cast off or whatever. They get voted off, right? So the Chaldeans will come along and they're pointing out to the king, hey, king, you three Jewish guys over there, they're from Israel. They're not, they're not worshiping your statue. And so the king being the king says, hold up, time out, wait a minute. I said you had to worship the statue. So the king gets mad. The king gets enraged. The king gets furious. It says in the previous verses, it says that the decree was issued. Excuse me, let me turn over. It says in the previous verses here, this is what King Nebuchadnezzar says. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And then he adds this. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? So King Nebuchadnezzar not only says, hey, you know what I told you? You're going to die in the fire because nobody can rescue you from my power. But our big three have a promise to deliver the king. So let's read those verses, verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. Don't you like that? Don't you like that boldness, right? You, you're in the king. There's the throne there. He's like, my power is greater than your God's power. They're like, come on, bro. We ain't got to answer you. You ain't got nothing. We ain't got to answer. You wasting our time. Come on, man. So we don't have to answer this question in verse 17. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you. So we ain't got to answer it, but let's just go ahead and answer it, all right? So if our God exists, and by the way, he does, then he's got us on the furnace, and your power, he's got us on that too. But then they say something very interesting. They keep going. They say this, but even if he does not, but even if he does not rescue us from the furnace of the blazing fire. But even if he does not rescue us, we want as king, you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Even if he doesn't rescue us, we're still not going to compromise. So here's the promise they delivered. There's been a proclamation delivered by the king, but the promise of our big three is this. We will take on the king's consequence, but we're not going to compromise. We'll face the music. We'll take on your consequence, king, and all of your earthly power. We'll take it on, but we're not going to compromise worshiping the one true living God. That's the promise they delivered. And friend, that still applies to us today. That still applies to you and I today. That when we're faced with that decision of obeying God or obeying man, we must take on the earthly consequences and not compromise following obediently what God calls us to do and how God calls us to live. You see, the, the big three, they could do this. They could handle what the earthly king wanted to bring their way. But they could not conceive in their minds disobeying the king of the universe. 
They could stand in the throne room of the earthly king with his proclamation and his ultimatum, and they could take on those consequences just fine, but they could not conceive in their mind disobeying the king of the universe. And that's the promise they delivered. Y'all think that made King Nebuchadnezzar happy? Nah. Sure didn't. If you were the king, probably wouldn't have made you happy either. So the king becomes enraged. He becomes furious. And in his next set of verses, just to kind of cover those, he gets so mad. He gets so furious. We might say here in the south, he's madder than a wet hen. And the only thing hotter than that furnace was King Nebuchadnezzar. But our big three are like this. They're like, look, we're not going to worry about the power of an earthly king when we serve the God that's powerful over all the universe. So what does King Nebuchadnezzar do in his anger? Well, one thing he does is that he heats up the furnace seven times hotter. That's pretty hot, right? Y'all think about that bonfire you've been at before and you got close to it roasting your marshmallow. My family likes to have marshmallows burnt. I just like it roasting just a little bit. Maybe y'all are on the burnt side. I don't know where you fall on that. But anyway, that's a side note. But you've got up close to those bonfires, right, and they've been pretty hot. Maybe on that, that cool night and that heat's coming off on you. Think about that being seven times hotter than it was, right? So this is what we're talking about, you know. Like we're, we're all probably trying to figure out where we're going on vacation this summer, summer, you know, a rental here, Airbnb here, VRBO, whatever it is. Ain't nobody signing up to go stand at this furnace, right? They're not staying there. Nobody wants to be there. So the king makes it hotter. And then he tells his best soldiers, the cream of the crop, his best soldiers, to tie up the big three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's like, I'm going to send my best soldiers, and they're going to tie them up in such a way that I don't have any doubt that they can get loose. And then throws them in the furnace. He lost his best soldiers because they died because the furnace was so hot when they threw our big three in. And our big three, they roll into the furnace, bound, covered, to die. And so this all transpires. March Madness just finished up. It's one of my favorite events, sporting events. And it's famous because of all the buzzer beaters. Maybe you've seen some of those buzzer beaters. Last second three-pointer, last second free throw, last second layup. When all seems lost, the shot is hit. People go crazy. People go wild. Well, if we apply that to this, the ball is in the air. There's less than one second on the clock. And all seems lost. But God's not done. Because our big three delivered a promise to the earthly king, the king of all the universe delivers his people. And that's what we see in the next set of verses, a delivered people. Verse 24, follow along with me. Verse 24 to verse 28. So they're in the furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar is watching all this happen. King Nebuchadnezzar jumped in alarm. He said to his advisors, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four men not tied walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire when the, when the satraps 
prefects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair of their heads was singed, their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own, a delivered people. A delivered people. You know, we get alarmed at, alarmed at different times in our life, don't we? You know, we, we get alarmed. Maybe if you see a spider at your house, you get alarmed. Maybe driving around with some of these Delta motorists, you get alarmed real easy. I know I do. Maybe you come back from a vacation, you got to sign in, log in on your phone to check your bank account. That's pretty alarming. So we get alarmed at all different kinds of things. But here, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he's alarmed. He's in shock. It was kind of like Wednesday night. I was at the kitchen table. I was actually typing out this sermon from my written notes. And I get an alarm on my phone. An emergency pops up and it says, tornado warning at 845. See, I hadn't looked at the weather all day. I didn't know what was about to transpire. And then all of a sudden, hey, kids, let's get in the hallway. Get some pillows. Get your stuff. Let's get in the hallway because, hey, apparently there's a tornado warning right now. So we got kind of alarmed. And I was waiting for Christopher Matheson to come on and tell me what to do, but he never showed up. He wasn't over there pivoting, you know. I didn't know what to do. But thankfully it all dissipated and, you know, broke up and everything was good. But we were alarmed at that point. It's the same kind of thing with King Nebuchadnezzar. He's alarmed. And, and, and let's just drill down a little bit on that word, that word alarmed in the ancient language. It means this, to be astonished. And the sense the word, the term carries in this, this context is to be or become filled with emotional impact of overwhelming surprise or shock. So it's not like he's just startled. No, he jumps up and he can't believe his mind. Listen, if the Bible was written in text messages, it would say in capital letters, OMG, and it would have the mind blow emoji right here, okay? He can't believe what he's seeing because there were three, but now there is four walking around in a furnace that he said had to be seven times hotter. God delivered. Friend, God can deliver you. And the most important and eternal thing that you and I need to be delivered from is our sin. And Jesus, the gospel says Jesus comes to deliver us from our sin. Last week we talked about he comes to buy us back and redeem us from our sin so that we might live forever in his presence. So that's the, that's the greatest need we have. We, don't, we may not be in a fiery furnace per se, but we have a greater need than the big three had. We have sin that needs to be atoned and we need to be forgiven for to bring us from death into life. Jesus didn't die for us to just to become better or, or good people. He came and died so that we would brought, be brought from dead people into people that live forever. And God is still in the business of delivering. And we may look at the big three and we may look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and be like, oh, that's the Old Testament. It's the gospel applies here and it applies to you and to me that we need a deliverer and his name is Jesus. He is our hope 
And our big three to place their hope, not in the earthly king, in the king of the universe. God was in their midst. As a popular worship song says, there was another in the fire standing next to me. There was another in the water holding back. Then God hasn't changed. He's still listening to his people when they call upon his name. He's still present for his people in their times they need delivery. It reminds me of famous pastor and author Charles Stanley. One of his famous quotes, obey God and leave the consequences to him. Obey God and leave the consequences to him. And our big three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they obeyed. And they left the consequences to him. Even if he doesn't rescue us. Right? Even if he doesn't rescue us, we're not going to worship a gold statue, King Nebuchadnezzar. Because even if he doesn't rescue us, we'll go from your presence into his presence. Because of our relationship with him. And God delivered his people and God delivers completely. Now, what does that mean moving forward? It means that delivered people lead other people to praise. Nebuchadnezzar had spent all time, money, resources, manpower to build a 90-foot gold statue that was 90-foot wide. And then at the end of this, he says, Aunt, praise to the God of <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God delivered his people and it drew this pagan king to praise. Why did he do it? Because of the specific evidence. The specific evidence said none of their hair was singed. I almost singed my hair on the iron this morning. Are you kidding me? Their robes were unaffected. They did didn't even smell smoke on them. I got to play a fireman in one of our local plays a couple years ago. Just one scene. I know I stole the scene. That's all right. But I put on a fireman's jacket and fireman pants to walk across the stage for my one little two-second scene. And I thought I was going to choke because of the smoke smell on that, right? Didn't change nothing. God delivers completely. Because that's how powerful he is. He is the one true living God, Yahweh. And our big three had a relationship with him, and they trusted him, and they placed their lives in his hands. And they said, we're not going to compromise, and we're going to obey no matter the consequences. We'll leave the consequences to the God of the universe, even though we're facing this earthly king. And God delivered completely. And it led to praise from others. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I hope you're familiar with their name today. They trusted the living God. And friend, you can trust him too. You can trust him too. Let me hear as we wrap up real close. Because faith in the deliverer never fails the Lord.
And that's what I want for you. I want you to have that experience. I want you to be delivered. If you've never placed your faith in the Lord Jesus and been delivered from your sins, today is a day of salvation for you. If you're in the house, if you're listening, wherever you're at, I want you to place your faith in the deliverer to be delivered from your sins. If you are a faithful follower of Jesus and you're at that crossroads of obeying God or obeying man, I implore you to understand what this narrative is about, what it teaches us, that Obey God and leave the consequences. And you may be at that crossroad in your life with a decision in your family, a decision in your work life, a decision in your career, a decision in your education. Students, when you go back to campus tomorrow, there may be a decision for God you have to make in front of all your peers and all your friends. What we learned today, put your faith in the deliverer and he will never fail to deliver. We can trust him because he delivers completely. Let me pray for you. Lord, we bow before you today and we praise you for being the deliverer, the one we can trust, the one we can turn to, the one that is worthy of all of our glory, honor, and praise. And right now, as, as we've heard the truth of your word today, I pray that we are sent out from this place to live out that faith and to glorify you alone in our daily lives. Lord, I pray for the one that's never put their trust in you for salvation, that today would be the day that they would make that decision. I pray that they would find me afterwards, find me this week, text message, email. There's someone listening today. Pray that they'll send us a message or call our office. We want to journey with them in whatever decision they, they have to make. That you would deliver them from the chains of sin and bring them into the light and hope of life in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for everyone as there will be decisions to make. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not this week, but down the road in the next chapter of life. The decision will be, am I going to follow where everyone else is going and compromise? Or am I going to be obedient to the God whose name I know? Because he knows my name. Lord, I pray that you would give us the boldness. You would give us the courage. You would give us the resolve. You would give us the resources. You would give us the grace to follow where you lead to obey you and leave those consequences to you as well. Lord, move among your people. We pray this in your precious name.